Marco on the normal radio. Free weed. Free weed. Oh, yo. Danny Danko come to show you how it grows. You're now tuned in to Free Weed from Danny Danko on normal radio. Presented by High Times Magazine. See me, I say, boom, bam. Big respect. See me, I say, Danny Danko. Yes, indeed. Welcome to episode number 30 of High Times Presents Free Weed from Danny Danko. That's right. Yeah, we, we hope you enjoyed that live recording from the Seattle Medical Cannabis Cup last uh, episode. But we're back in the studio and we got a great show. What do we have, Dan? Oh, man. We're going to run down some of the news and a lot of the ballot uh, and voter initiatives and stuff that are that's coming up. Uh, some of the raids that have happened. Uh, we have as our interview... Um, the Cannabis Cup creator and uh, longtime editor-in-chief and editor emeritus of High Times Magazine, Stephen Hager. Yes, he, Stephen will be inducted into the Counterculture Hall of Fame at this 25th uh, Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam. Yeah, it's the Founders Cup, and uh, being the founder, he is uh, being honored with that award. And uh, you, you got to check this interview out. He really gets into the history of the cup from the first one all the way to the 25th. It's great stuff. So yeah, some of that stuff uh, he, he you know has never been heard before. So he, he broke a few stories here as well. So yeah, we're very excited to have Stephen Hager. Um, you know, author and editor emeritus of High Times Magazine. And as usual, of course, our cultivation segment. Uh, we're going to do the strain of the week and uh, questions and answers from uh, listeners, as well as uh, a little chat about photosynthesis and how it relates to cannabis growing. So, um, yeah, stick around. I want to send a shout out to our sponsors, BC Northern Lights and Stealth Grow. We'll be back with more of episode 30. Oh, nice tunes, man. So, Mike, uh, What's going on here with the news? So, so there's been a few raids very there recently. There have been, yeah. So, okay. uh, this is breaking news as of this recording. Um, if you are listening to this uh, later in the week, do check and see if there's any updates. But this from uh, the Mercury News in San Jose, California. Uh, Long Beach police have made more than 40 arrests in a crackdown on medical marijuana clinics. Uh, apparently, seven different pot dispensaries were raided on Wednesday. That was Wednesday the 10th. And uh, it could possibly be the largest raid of a Long Beach collective since the ban took effect. Of course, the city council uh, tried to prohibit uh, dispensaries outright because they weren't allowed to regulate them. So we have to keep a close eye on that. Uh, 40 arrests is quite a bit. You know, we've, we've experienced uh, dispensary raids before, but 40 arrests seems pretty high. And uh, it, it sort of is part and parcel to what's going on in California with uh, the crackdown on medical cannabis, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really pissing me off because... Uh you know, it's obviously the will of the people uh, to allow medical cannabis in California. I mean, that's plain as day. And yet you've got these people on city councils and, and, and stuff that are uh, anti and they're just not, you know, sticking to the will of, of the majority of their constituents. And uh, yeah, didn't something happen with the L.A. City Council? Yeah, the L.A. City Council is one wacky group of individuals. Uh, they, the, you know, they had that moratorium on pot uh, on dispensaries, which was then uh, declared illegal. Uh, they tried to cap dispensaries. They tried to stop them from collecting profits. All of these things have failed. Uh, then they banned dispensaries uh, outright. And then just recently, as of last week, they voted to overturn that ban, 11 to 2. And uh, while some people see that as positive news, in fact, even one person on the city council has come out as a medical marijuana user, um, most uh, people who are analyzing this situation believe that the, uh, basically what was going to happen is the dispensary ban in Los Angeles was going to go to a voter ballot in March of 2013. And most people thought the ban would be overturned then. So they think that the city council overturned their own ban in hopes that the federal government would take care of the dirty work in cracking down on these cannabis uh, dispensaries. So it's, it's, a, it's a 
crazy situation in Los Angeles. Right now, the ban has been repealed, but the feds are still raiding and cracking down on dispensaries. Yeah, um, it's really bad news, and I, I really hope that uh, that changes. And on that same note, uh, coming up in November, there are several opportunities to send uh, you know, a pro-pot message in a number of different parts of the country. Is that right? Yeah, there's a lot of voter uh, initiatives and ballot initiatives that are going to be uh, decided this uh, November. And uh, there's just to name a few of them. Uh, Arkansas could potentially have medical marijuana. Colorado is voting to legalize pot outright in the state, uh, as is Oregon and Washington with the controversial initiative 502. And uh, this just in Detroit will be able to vote on whether they want the city to legalize pot. Uh, so wow. that's a big one. It went to the, the state Supreme Court, and they put it on the ballot, and that's going through. And uh, your home state of Massachusetts, yeah. yeah, tell us about that. Um, they have a medical marijuana bill called Question 3, and that, uh, you know, uh, they already have uh, the decrim thing going there. So, you know, they're sort of going the... Um, the opposite way that many other states have gone medical first, but uh, I do think that that's going to uh, pass. I hope it passes in uh, in Massachusetts as well. You know, yeah. So some potentially positive things on the horizon. Yeah, um, and you mentioned a little bit of controversy, and that's true. There's some of that with the Colorado bill. There's some of that with the Washington bill. I just want to urge people, uh, you know, to just vote with their hearts and what they really believe, and and let's send a positive message that, uh, you know. Whether you're nitpicking with the, uh, the bill for whatever reason or not, let's send the message that, you know, we want to legalize pot and then all those things can be uh, addressed after we send that message. We want that headline after that vote to say that people voted for marijuana legalization. Yeah, what, what are they say in basketball when two teammates go up for the rebound at the same time? Same team, same team. Same team. Let's, uh, let's vote for pot. Uh, so anyway, let's let's end this segment before we, we go to our interview with Steve Hager uh, on a more positive note. Uh, we're having a little contest. Yeah, we got a nice uh, care package from our friends at Raw Papers, and we want to give some of it away. We absolutely do. To and, you guys. Uh, to you, the listener, yes. Uh, that includes, you know, papers, trays, uh, shirts, and... Uh, all kinds of garments and, and mostly papers <laughs> yeah, and raw, filters. Raw is the unofficial official paper of High Times. We love it here, and we think you would love it too. So, yeah, you definitely want to get this care package. It's going to be great. Yeah, and uh, how exactly are we going to do this? Let, let's, uh, let's do some kind of contest for, these, for them. Well, here, here's what I'm thinking. Um, I'm going to take a picture uh, of us in the studio with uh, some raw papers. I'm going to put it on my brand-new Instagram account because apparently that's a thing that I should be doing. Yeah. And uh, so what we want to do is have a little caption contest for this photo. And the caption that we like the best that's in the comments underneath it, uh, we will select that person and they will receive the raw uh, package. Right. So uh, we'll put that photo out on Instagram. Uh, Mike's Instagram is Mike Hughes underscore HT. Yeah. Um, this time I, I put an HT after the underscore. Nice. Yeah. And that's M-I-K-E-H-U-G-H-E-S underscore ht and if you follow him there and uh, put a caption on the photo we're going to pick the one we like the best or maybe even two or three we like the best and send you a nice care package from raw papers absolutely yeah so uh so definitely check that out and uh we're excited to give that away and let's take a little break but come back with steve hager you you really don't want to miss this interview it's a it's a terrific history lesson of the cannabis cup and cannabis culture in general Hey guys, sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to mention a really cool place to listen to all your favorite podcasts, including High Times Presents Free Weed from Danny Danko. It's called Stitcher, and they have a cool new deal at Stitcher.com. Right, so you, you go to Stitcher.com slash High Times and download the app, and then what happens? You register with Stitcher and you enter the promo code High Times when it asks you, how did you hear about Stitcher? Um, you put it in all one word. And then all you have to do is play any show, doesn't even have to be our show, and you're entered to win a $100 gift card. So check it out. It's a really cool, it helps support the show, and we'd really dig it if you checked out Stitcher and told them High Times sent you. 
All right, welcome back, and uh, we are honored to have with us a special guest, Mr. Stephen Hager. He is uh, the author of many books on counterculture, hip hop, and much more. Also, the originator and founder of the Cannabis Cup, the Counterculture Hall of Fame, and uh, longtime High Times editor in chief. Now. Uh, Creative director? No, editor, editor emeritus. Editor emeritus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Basically, <laughs> if you've paid attention to the cannabis movement for the last two and a half decades, you know this man. It's Steve Hager. We're very happy to have him in the studio. Welcome, Steve. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. All right, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to get right into it. This year is the twenty-fifth uh, edition of the Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam. That's an event that you started. 25 years ago. Yeah, it's hard to believe, isn't it? I've been thinking about it a lot, too. It's never dreamed that it would really take off the way it did. It's just, um, you know, I went over to Amsterdam because I found out this guy was making millions of dollars selling seeds out of a little tiny classified ad. Right, that and was we Neville. Didn't, we didn't even know about it. We didn't know who this guy was or anything. And there was an article in Regardi's magazine, which is an inside the Beltway magazine for polit- politicos in Washington, D.C. It's not really even read outside New Washington. And uh, Craig Capitas, who had been the news editor of High Times, wrote a feature about this guy. And that's how I found out about it. And when I went over there, first thing I did was I'm, there were some guys over there. I, I kept it anonymous, but it was Rob Clark and... Sam the Skunk Man. I guess everybody knows he's Dave Watson now. Do we mm-hmm. have to hide his name anymore? Uh, I don't think we have to hide it, hide that. No. Okay, so we those can fix it in post. <laughs> so those two guys told me about the harvest festivals before camp came, and I was on the plane on the way back when I got the idea. That was in Northern California. Yeah, in Northern harvest Ca- I think they were held all over California. Mm-hmm. You know, so in some form. Um, for the hippies that had gone back to the land, they were the communes. We'd get together and have a little party at the, when, har- when the harvest came in. And uh, it's weird, too, because p- I don't think people believe this today. But, you know, something I didn't find out the word cannabis until around the same time. I, I got a copy of Rob's book, Marijuana Botany. And that's the first time I saw the scientific names. And nobody used that word. And I don't know. I think... Uh, I was against using the word marijuana because they it that been a ploy for reefer madness. The reason they changed the name from hemp to marijuana was to fool people. So I was like, we shouldn't be using the word marijuana anymore. And so I was like, well, let's just go with the scientific name. And that's, I said, cannabis cup. And, you know, it's like, it's weird how I've been positioned in history to play these little roles where these little things happen. Like I was... People don't believe this, but I was the first person to put the word hip-hop in print. Yeah, writing about uh, Nobody Africa. used the word hip-hop. No, it was completely unknown, except a few characters in the South Bronx, like Cowboy and Flash, and, you know, outside of Busy Bee and a few others, nobody used the word hip-hop. And then I put it into print in the, in the, in the Village Voice, thinking, well, maybe this will become the new word. Because everybody, <laughs> everybody just said rap music. Nobody said hip hop. Right, and that was the connection also with graffiti and, yeah. and breakdancing. Yeah, it, so it would encompass it would encompass the whole culture. And so I, I made that same kind of little finesse move. I said, let's change the name to cannabis and see if that sticks, because that's better than marijuana, which is the bogus. T- name. Turns out it did stick. It stuck. <laughs> My goodness, it, it stuck. Yeah. It stuck. It really, so, you know. So tell me a little bit about that first ever cannabis cup. Well, there was only three people, and it was done on a budget of about $4,000. And uh, there was no public anything. There was no awards dinner. And I'm, I'm going to reveal this for the first time. I'll give you a major scoop. What happened was there's three people that entered. Ben Dronkers, Neville Schumachers, and Dave Watson. Dave Watson. <laughs> now, um, the Grow editor at that time was doc called Dr. Indoors. His name was Bram, and he and I were old school, so we liked sativas. And the photographer was younger than us, so he was new school, so he liked indicas. And so he hated skunk number one. It, it didn't work for him. He needed the northern lights, so he devised, uh, he was kind of pulling Dave Watson's chain the whole time, because Dave was actively trying to make sure that we were loving his skunk number one. And, and uh, the photographer wouldn't even smoke it. It was like, fuck that shit. You know, can I say that on the air? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> we encourage it. So, uh, so uh, he 
got pissed at Dave Watson. He said, I'm going to sabotage skunk number one. I'm going to vote it down to nothing so it can't win. Now, when Dave Watson heard that, what do you think he did? He threw a shit fit and he came looking for me and Bram and he told us what, um, you know, he was planning and everything. So I said, well, let me, let me handle this. And so sure enough, when it came time for the three of us to fill out our ballots, I made him fill out his ballot first. And then I showed Bram, I said, look, the guy gave a zero to skunk number one, which you know and I know is our favorite strain. So in order, so that he doesn't get his strain number one, we have to vote down Northern Lights. <laughs> So right from the start, the right from the start, it was just like, oh, my God, the politics was just flying. I mean, I hope I made the right decision. I mean, obviously, we could have just stood by and just watched this guy steal the cup and it would have gotten off on the wrong foot. But the funny thing was, Dave never came back to the cannabis cup to enter ever again because he knew he, he was so close to losing that first one. If he ever in it again, he'd lose and he would have. So. It's like um, he, we, we let him in free every year because he inspired me to create the event. So I, I guess that free pass is worth it for him. <laughs> I think so, yeah. And now 25 years later, you are going to be inducted into the Counterculture Culture Hall of Fame, another thing that you created, right? Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> well, that started it's, around it, Believe me, this wasn't my idea. If I could weasel out of it somehow, I probably would. And <laughs> oh. I know all my, all, you know, like Paul Krasner, all these people are giving me a hard time telling me, you know, it's false, fake humbleness or something. No, I really <laughs> don't care. I mean, oh, but, you know, I think that the Counterculture Hall of Fame is a good thing. It should go on. I just wanted wavy gravy this year, but I, you know, let's get it over with, you know, you know, let's just <laughs> well, do it. Well, it's the Founders <laughs> Cup and you are, a, you know, the founder of the cup. Um, we also wanted to talk about some of the other founders, obviously, um, people like Neville that you mentioned, um, Watson, um, Ben Drunkers from Sensi Seed Bank. And, yeah. uh, and Bram. Yeah, and Noel Van Schenk, uh, uh, and, and the people who started, who is the, the Mellow Yellow? That's uh, Bernard Bruning, right? Yeah, but the, for, for the first cup. Bernard wasn't even involved yet. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to talk about the first cup, it's really seven people, which is cool because seven's our magic number. Um, you know, I, I didn't go to the first, um, the next four cups, next three cups after the first cup. Mm-hmm. I sent a different person from High Times now what? Why was with that? a skeleton crew. There were two reasons. One reason was so I could keep the budget as low as possible. The other was it, I could use it as a reward somebody and the other thing was by changing the mechanics of it and the person running it every year it made it kind of impossible for any corruption to get involved in the event because nobody could engineer it because they knew they weren't coming back the next year and really when I came back I'd been through this whole progression of knowledge so when I returned I was everything was based on 420 I had a new silver design cup for the first time that represented cannabis in a real good way and I had all these new ideas about how we were going to use this event to as a foundation for legalizing marijuana under the Freedom of Religion Act. Hmm. I had gotten into this idea of well this is a legitimate culture it's not about marijuana it's about nonviolence but marijuana is the sacrament because it's the thing that puts out a rage so anything that will rage is the opposite of enlightenment when you're screaming and yelling at people that's not enlightenment that's you're on the other end of the you know the seesaw there so if you give somebody marijuana who's in a rage what you see right away is the rage dissipates so that's why I think it's the sacrament and I just wanted to document this stuff that's how I got into video too I just want to prove these ceremonies are real and you got to remember at this time there's only one 420 ceremony in the country no matter what anybody tells you there was one in this country and it was on the top of Mount Tamapias at 420 in the afternoon on April 20th. And that event had spontaneously emerged in Marin County on its own and been there as the only 420 ceremony for years when I found out about it. And what I said was, look, this is proof of the spiritual powers of marijuana because here you see a real ritual is manifesting. And what this means is that 420 has a special meaning 
And every event I did after that was built around 420. The Cannabis Cup and these other events, this is what spread 420 around the world. Yeah, well, let's get into that just for a sec. We'll come back to the cup in a second. But uh, 420 has played a major role in, in what you've done with High Times. How did you first uh, come across this, this phenomenon, the 420? Um, I had... Before we go to that, can we talk about the levels of progression that I went through? Oh, certainly. Because I wasn't even a pothead when I came to High Times. I mean, I love pot. I wouldn't turn it down. I, if somebody offered me a joint, I'd go, oh, yeah, great. <laughs> but I never bought it. I never went on my way to get it. I never cared about it. I wasn't a daily user, not even close, not even a monthly user, really. But you when I came... open to it. When I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I knew it was good. I mean, I, I, since 15, I would never... If I was at a party, I knew it was the greatest thing for a party, you know. But I you know, would take any substance when I was a teenager, you know, so, but the thing was, I understood that it wasn't really bad. So that's why I came to High Times. I felt everybody thinks the drugs are bad, but they're wrong about marijuana. Marijuana's not bad, but... Did you come here from The Village Voice? Uh, no, I was a freelancer at The Voice. I had just published my book on hip hop and put out the movie Beat Street with Harry Belafonte, and my money was running out, and that's how I... I mean, I'd been a reporter at The Daily News first before any of that stuff, but... That's how you first encountered hip hop. Yeah, I was a reporter at the Daily News, and um, and I got kicked out of the Daily News for writing about hip hop in the Daily News because they didn't like it. But um, the first thing I became aware of was when I read Jack's book, and I w we were going to publish it. High Times was going to publish the Emperor, and I was going to be the editor, and and that got <coughs> that got nixed. But Jack turned me on to the whole utility aspect of all the products. And, I, and then I said, Jack, what we need to do is we'll create events, because all the rallies had died out. I said, we'll take, create a rally in every major city. We'll put you on the road like the deadheads. You'll travel around from rally to rally. We'll form a group called the Freedom Fighters. We'll put on tri-corner hats, and we'll get the media to start talking about Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and the history of him. And that thing took off like a wildfire. I mean, the next year we had like chapters in every state. We had the, we created the Boston Freedom Rally, which was the biggest political event in the country, even though for the first two years they wouldn't talk about it in the media. But we had 50,000 people there the first year. I mean, it was like beyond any rally you ever saw. And, but then I learned about the medical benefits. I think Peter Gorman was the first guy I put on that. Tell me what's really wrong with it. I want to know really the bad stuff. Couldn't find anything. Then, you know, I started to go through these other realizations. Well, hey, it's really good for sex. Women that don't have orgasms, you give them marijuana and kabong! I mean, Lights of Broadway just came on and it's like, hey, why don't people talk about that? Because having orgasms is like super important to people's mental health. I like them, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, and then it was like, uh, oh my God. Oh, it also, it opens up people's uh, empathy and they can relate better. It's almost like ecstasy in that way that people can bury the hatchet over a joint, you know? And, and then I realized, oh, wow, it, it, it actually creates creative thoughts. It, that's another theme that you, it you pushes, have is the improvisational it, ideas and well, of jazz. And well, the, well, that's when I figured out where it all came from. It came the whole, but see, when I came to these realizations, then I realized, oh, it enhances all these things. It enhances your ability to flow. It enhances your ability to see and appreciate beauty. It enhances your spirituality. That was the last thing I hit on because it was like, it, it took, it, it went through seven stages. When I finally got to, it enhances your spirituality. Everything went ka-ching. And then I was off on a new movie. I was no longer a freedom fighter working for hemp. I was like, let's figure out what the counterculture is, what these ceremonies are and what they really mean. And I went on a voyage of discovery, and eventually what I discovered is it all starts in Congo Square. No matter what they tell you, in New Orleans, there was only one place where blacks and Native Americans and whites, people of all races, colors, and religions, could get together and party and hold ceremonies. There was a little piece of ground called Congo Square. Congo Square is what birthed blues, jazz, rock and roll, reefer smoking, and the idea of all cultures living together in peace. That's one thing that unified all these guys. And... If you went back in time to Congo Square in 1820 and you looked at it, aside from all the shells and the bells and the, the Native American costumes, it looked exactly like a cool Herc throwdown in the South Bronx with these dance circles, with these people in the center of the circles going off and then a big crowd standing around taking turns going into the center of the circle. Sometimes two in the circle, sometimes one in the circle, but this whole 
everything was based on improvisational energies of just going off right. with the flow. And also like a rainbow gathering or a wee festival um, where people in the same way get together and, right. and uh, from all different cultures and yeah. for the greater good of... of well, rainbow opened up a, the whole thing for me because rainbow and 420 happened the same time for me and it's the same rainbow's what gave me the spiritual awakening really is when i when i dropped into it and i looked around and i realized oh my god here i am in a world with no violence no hostility everybody loves everybody and it feels so wonderful and why can't it be like this and it could be like this this is our culture and this is what we're trying to hand down so i look around today and i see our world dominated by violence and violence energies I see all the video games are about violence. I see all the TV shows are about violence. We worship violence. And that's okay because warrior culture is important. I don't disrespect it in any way. And you know something else? Spirituality is in all things, including war. Don't believe. I, sports is the easiest thing for you to talk about because I can talk about ritual and ma how it manifests in sports. It's all the same stuff, whether you're in church or in a music concert or sports facility, when people get together, the telepathic energies converge in very similar ways. It's all about the same type of, type of stuff, but there's only one culture that's devoted to ending all racism and all violence that I know of, and that's the 60s counterculture. And it's everywhere, but we don't get talked about, we don't get noticed. So really what I wanna do is say, to the young people today, look, if you're tired of all the violence, if you're tired of watching 300 people get savagely murdered every day on your TV set, and you're looking for something else, there is a culture with, that doesn't worship this stuff. And, and once you step into our world and see the world from our eyes, you see how crazy the world looks to us. And what would your advice be to someone who wanted to get involved with something like that? What would they, uh, what would they do? I'd say go to a rainbow gathering first thing because it's free. The food is free. The medical care is free. It's a great vacation. And I, I recommended that to everybody. And uh, most people just laughed at me. And, and it's like not everybody's going to pick up on it. Some people go and they don't really, they don't really um, connect with it in any way. Maybe the time's not right, whatever. But some, a lot of people are damaged. And if you got any kind of trace of post-traumatic stress disorder, rainbow's like the best medicine. Because right. you'd be surrounded by this very empathetic vibe. Uh, one of the other things that you're, you're well known for um, is when you started off here at High Times in the late 80s, uh, basically taking the coke and the hard drugs and that whole thing out and placing more of an emphasis on personal cultivation of cannabis, yeah. which is what we're all about nowadays. Um, um, tell me a little bit about how that all went down. Well, Lynn Bias had just died, and... Um, the problem with high times that I saw was they really hadn't drawn a distinction between safe substances and, you know, unsafe substances. And I, and I did all the substances, and I don't really think as so many people that like coke <coughs> hate me because of what I did. And it's like, dude, I'm not trying to step on your parade. I'm just saying that we couldn't sell magazines based on that anymore. Uh, I think coca leaf is one of the greatest medicines on earth. In fact, I'll say the top three medicines on earth are opium, coca leaf, and cannabis. No question in my mind, if those three plants were legal, 99% of all med medicines sold by pharmacies would be perfectly useless because you can treat almost anything with those three. And uh, why coca leaf tea is not available, why they had to take coca leaf out of Coca-Cola, I'll never understand. It's a lot safer, I think, than, um, than the caffeine that they pump into all this. People are drinking these power-up drinks that stuff is poison. Man, they'd be so yeah. much better off just mixing up the little uh, coca leaf tea. It's so much better. But, but the thing is, see, there were too many casualties with the freebase and all that stuff. And, and I, you know, I hate to rain on the parade, but I'm going to tell people when I saw these people getting up in the morning, 7 in the morning to smoke oil, I was like, this is the new hippie crack. Okay, you're going to tell all the teenagers in America to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and go take some hits, some dabs off some oil. And where do you think that's going to end up? For those kids and for our culture, what do you think the message is there? Because to me, the most important thing about 420 was it's better to wait till 420. Now, I'm not prescribing anything. If you have a medical need, do what you have to. Do whatever you want. But my experience is, is 
if you do wait till 420, sometimes it works out better for you and you get higher because you waited longer and you appreciate it more. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to see 420 be the socially acceptable hour when anybody could light up anywhere they are, you know, you know, not in some restaurant, but I mean, walking outside at 420, it'd be like the call to Mecca. You know, you'd see all these people, you know, get out their stash, you know what I mean? And it'd be socially acceptable. Everybody go, okay, those are the marijuana users and 420 is their time. Just like the British intelligence has a glass of tea at four o'clock, we are entitled to our sacrament too. But you got to respect it. That's been my main thing is if you don't respect it, if you let it run over you like a truck, then it's not going to benefit your life. So restraint is the thing. But, but that's interesting because there is a debate in the movement right now about dabs, which you just brought up. And people are saying that maybe the sight of people with blow torches or the process of actually making it is setting the movement back. You're, you're opposed to dabs. I think oil is the best medicine and the best way to do it is to eat it. No question in my mind. And you can take one dab and you'll be that you would smoke and eat it and you'll be high for two days because you lose most of it when you, you know, combust it. It isn't so much the oil. I'm great with the oil. It's telling people to get up at seven o'clock in the morning and do oil. Oil is something that you should be thinking about late in the day, not starting the day. So that's the whole the whole thing is it's not cool to be high 24 seven unless you have a medical need. And that that the, that we have a crowd of people that control the situation by this chucklehead attitude, and everybody just caves on these people. Yeah, it's cool to be high twenty four seven. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's not cool. It's not cool to be high taking your calculus exam unless you're a straight A student and you've you know passed every test. Doing it that way, chances are, if you're going through college doing dabs every day long, all day long. Are you going to achieve what you would have if you'd just been a normal student studying? What do you guys think? Uh, I think it depends on the person, but uh, some people can it, do it. Uh, yeah, I some people can that, do it. But yeah. you know what? There's going to be more train wrecks than success yeah, stories. Probably. So that, that's my message to kids. Yeah, there's no problem with oil, but, but don't do it all day long. My God. It's interesting that you see a parallel between that and the hard drugs. Now, when you took the hard drugs out of, of high times, did you get any static for that, or was it pretty much uh, something that everyone thought was a Oh, it's a relief. Yeah. The only readers left were the deadheads, and most of them had turned against Coke, you know. But, you know, even people in the movement, though, was still pretty much widely used by everybody when I took it out. It, it just, it's kind of drifted away and then come back, you know what I mean? So it, it, it goes through its own cycles. And every generation has to find out about this stuff. The biggest problem right now is OxyContin is killing people. Like they're dropping dead like flies all across America. So that's the real drug problem in America is OxyContin. Yeah, yeah the prescription medicine. Um, the big question we've been hearing a lot lately is, uh, you know, is this the last cannabis cup in Amsterdam? No the, way. The oh, in Amsterdam, maybe. In Amsterdam because maybe. of the political changes. What's right. what's your take I'd on I'd rather that? do it in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll move to Colorado. Yeah. If if Amsterdam wants to get rid of the cannabis cup, we'll, we'll gladly move it. Right. You well, know? do you think, uh, what do you think is the political situation going on over there right now? Well, they just had another huge political upheaval. Mm -hmm. So the right wing just got kicked out. So I, I don't think Amsterdam is going to do anything that's going to interrupt the flow of revenue into the city of Amsterdam. That's my belief. Right. It's the Dutch, at stake, yeah. the Dutch are very pragmatic and they have a big disconnect between the people that live in the provinces and the people that live in Amsterdam. It's two different worlds. Yeah. The people in Amsterdam don't want the uh, outer provinces telling them what to do. And they're not gonna let the outer provinces dictate to them just because there's more people than in, there are in Amsterdam. So I think you'll find that Amsterdam has a real history of really digging their heels in and, and not caving into the government's demands. We haven't seen the whole thing play out yet, but I'd be very surprised if they ended cannabis tourism in Amsterdam. And it's definitely uh, very interesting and something that we're paying close attention to. I had a question. I just wanted to jump back. So you, you did the first cup, and then you took three off, so you came back for the fifth? Yeah. When, at what point did you realize that this cannabis cup that you had created was a phenomenon, was something that, that really had uh, legs? Oh, gosh. I think it was when the first 420 happened at 420 in the morning. <laughs> that was a major thing that went down. Because we had built the whole event around 420 in the afternoon, 
And then I discovered the um, the crew was like holding these four twenty <laughs> ceremonies, and these ceremonies kept getting bigger and bigger. And pretty soon, yeah. hundreds of people are crammed in the Quinton just so they could be there. And then I realized. <laughs> Something really powerful is going on here. You know, this is, we've tapped into some some deep energy here. So shout, what, what shout out to Rocketee. I think he was, he played a hand in that, right? Oh, he was the major instigator of the <laughs> four twenty a.m. Definitely. Nice. And uh, the, when when was it open to the public? I mean, when could people go over and become judges? Uh, well, I think the the sixth was the first one where I came back. I think. Sixth. And and the sixth we allowed fifty people to buy tickets. And then the year after that, I think there was 200 people. So it just... And yeah. now we get over 3,000 people. Yeah. And from all over the world, all different cultures, yeah. languages, it's, it's a really a fascinating thing to experience. Absolutely. The, the Japanese showed up en masse right away. Like as soon as it opened to the public, there was like 20 Japanese <laughs> right there. A lot of Eastern Europeans are making it now. Uh, Russia. Yeah, Russia is yeah. very big on it right now, which is great because Ukraine is where it all starts. Yeah. And... Uh, to bring that all back around full circle, you also have uh, one of the founders of hip hop, the first rapper pretty much ever, Coke LaRock. One of my biggest heroes. Yeah, and he- Speaking of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he, he turned, he, he, he made it back. He know? got the name off of Coca. I mean, Coco. He used to drink Coco all the time. I've heard him referred to both ways, Coco LaRock and Coke LaRock. Yeah, yeah, but his name was, his, when he was a little kid, his nickname was Coco. Okay. And, and when he turned into a teenager, he couldn't allow people to call him Coco because <laughs> it's a little baby name. So he changed it to Coke LaRock. Like, cool Herc. He made up that name. These guys were like so great at creating their whole thing. And, and yes, he was a big cocaine user. And The Rock is part of that, obviously, you know. But the original Coke part came from drinking hot chocolate. Right. And, uh, and he, he was, uh, he's coming over to Amsterdam to induct you. Well, uh, the way we've done it is a living member is supposed to induct all new members. Right. And I offered it to Paul Krasner as the founder of the Underground Press since I'm basically known as an underground journalist. He's kind of like my Obi-Wan Kenobi on that front. Uh, but hey, Paul couldn't make it, and uh, I couldn't imagine anybody better than, than Coke LaRock. He's one of my favorite people of all time, and I had so much fun hanging out with him the year he got inducted. Yeah, Coke uh, came to the Medical Cannabis Cup, I think in San Francisco, was it? Uh, yeah. He was with a Busy Bee, and he got mm -hmm. up on stage and said hi to everyone. It was great. No kidding. Yeah. Yep. yeah. We, we could talk to Steve all day about this stuff. There's so much history here. Uh, but I think Dan had another uh, thing you wanted to explore. Um, well, I mean, we could, we actually, yeah, we could. I talk do want to do a plug that's kind of important for okay. me. Okay, plug away. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I'm working on the 15th anniversary of High Times. It's coming up before you know it. In fact, for me, the 60s starts with the Magic Bus Ride, 1964. And that's two years. The 50th anniversary of the Magic Bus Ride is two years away. So as soon as that happens, I'm going to be working on the 50th anniversary of everything that ever happened in the counterculture, including the founding of High Times. And I'm going to do that through initially through a Smashwords ebook site. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to start with the compilation of everything Tom Frasad ever wrote. And I'm looking for articles people want from old issues. If you'd like to see them up on Smashwords, you can contact me and tell me what article you think should be. Or if there's a compilation of a favorite writer from the old times you'd like to see, Tell me about that. And I'm also looking for sponsors who will get exclusive links and ads in these ebooks in exchange for helping me pay the cost of transcribing, editing, and designing and posting these books. You will get exclusive ads for five years in these books. Very cool. cool. How would they get in touch? Yeah. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and WordPress, Stephen Hager 420, one word. Or you can email me at s. Hager at hightimes.com. Or you can just send a message to the Cannabis Cup site. I'm sure it'll get to me somehow. So, and, you know, I, I did put this in the next issue of the magazine, so everybody will see there that um, you know, I'm actively seeking help from people on this. So I uh, definitely want to say thanks to you, Stephen, for coming on uh, Free Weed from Danny Danko. And uh, we look forward to this 25th Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam coming up next month, November, uh, every Thanksgiving. Hopefully some of the Freeweed listeners will come over there and uh, say hello. And uh, I'd know. love to see some of the old Freedom Fighters show up with their tri-corner hats. Wouldn't it be great if we could, you know, 
have a reunion at the <laughs> Cannabis Cup. Debbie Goldsberry wears her uh, wears hers proudly. She yeah. was He's, one of the original yeah. Freedom Fighters. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these groups that came up later, they all started as members of the Freedom Fighters. Wow. Very cool. Well, cool. thanks so much, Steve. It was, it was a pleasure to have you in the right. studio, and uh, we look forward to seeing you inducted in, in uh, November. Now, where's my free weed? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with uh, our cultivation segment, so stick around. Hey everybody, sorry to interrupt, but here at Free Weed, we have a motto. Give a man a bud, he smokes for a day. Teach a man to grow, he smokes for life. And that is from our friends at BC Northern Lights, our sponsors. And they have been around for the last 10 years making some of the greatest grow boxes on earth. The Bloom Box, the Producer, the Mothership, the Nursery. These are great investments where you can grow your own free weed. Contact them at bcnorthernlights.com. You can give them a call toll-free at 888-236-1266. Check them out. BC Northern Lights, awesome grow boxes, great people, great customer service. That's bcnorthernlights.com, 888-236-1266. Tell them Danny Danko's free weed sent you. Welcome back, everybody. I, I hope you enjoyed that interview as, as much as Dan and I did. It was great to sit down with Steve and talk about some of the old times, the uh, the first cup, and how it all developed. It was a great time. Um, we got our cultivation segment for you right now. Just want to apologize uh, beforehand about some of the noise, the background noise. There's a bit of construction going on right outside <laughs> our studio. But just try and drink in the uh, sweet, dulcet tones of Danko's voice, and I think you'll be totally okay. All right. What what are we starting off with? Strain of the week? Yeah, why not? Let's right. do the strain of the week. We're a little backed up because we didn't do a strain last week, so uh, we're going back a couple weeks, and what do we have? It's the Flav from TGA and Subcool Seeds. Um, TGA stands for Team Green Avenger, uh, which is a great organization led by the cannabis couple Subcool and Miss Jill, who have both been on the show before uh, and had plenty of strains uh, featured as well in my book and in the... Uh, strains of the week um but this one is the flave and this one's like you know just by the name of it you know it's going to be tasty um and subcool basically told me you know like haven't we all been looking for that indica with superior flavor you know because indicas tend to not have uh always the best flavor that you can get out of like a great sativa um so what he did is he took the original Space Queen, which is Romulan crossed with uh, Cinderella 99 or Cindy 99 or C99, sometimes people call it, and he combined it with uh, the Canada's legendary Romulan, like that, that real Rom uh, flavor, and it, this just turned into a really tasty, very dense, uh, good-yielding plant. Um, flowering time of about eight to nine weeks, and... Every phenotype that you get out of this shows really significant tri- trichome production and will produce really sticky, sticky nuggets with the characteristic kind of ripe to rotting fruit odor of the ROM. And, yeah, I mean, definitely got to send a shout-out to Subcool for creating this. It was High Times Top 10 Strain of the Year in 2008. I think that's actually the year it was released, early that year. And still to this day, people are loving the flavor, as do I. So that's the strain of the week. Excellent. And as always, you can see this and many, many other strains of the week on hightimes.com. So go yeah. check that out. If yeah. you were you so inclined. Check out, you can check out tgagenetics.com as well. You can do that. And we actually would encourage that. They're uh, tremendous growers, tremendous uh, producers. So yeah. and they check do them a, out. They and do a lot for medical patients in need as well. They give seeds away. They do a lot of uh, free seed testing and all kinds of cool stuff. I like jelly bean. Jelly bean's a great strain. Anyway, uh, if you are also so inclined, you can purchase Danko's Field Guide to Marijuana Strains. It's you know got all these references, uh, different um, lineages and contact info and flowering times. Great pictures, so go get that uh, headshop.hightimes.com. And uh, what do you say we move on to the cultivation tip of cool. the week, of the every other week, whatever yeah. this is, <laughs> of the irregular time period? Yeah, the tip this week, I really want to talk about photosynthesis because I think that there's a lot of people growing plants that uh, 
even though they're successful, they may not quite really understand what photosynthesis is and how it works. So I want to talk about photosynthesis and how it relates to cannabis growing, um, or all plant growing, but specifically cannabis. And the, the, the simplest way to put it is that photosynthesis is the way that the plant converts uh, light and carbon dioxide into sugars, carbohydrates, and growth. So it takes in light and turns that light and carbon dioxide into energy and releases oxygen. Um, you know, there's, there's uh, all kinds of factors that come into this. There has to be nutrients. There has to be uh, oxygen getting to the roots. Um, but really, it's just light converting into sugar. And the plants, all plants do this um, in order to, it's the building blocks of how they grow. And it started, you know, eons and eons ago um, when the first, you know, uh, bacteria started to convert light into growth. Um, the number of factors that have to be there, you know, there's temperature has to be right. The levels of carbon dioxide have to be right. Uh, the amount of nutrients, not over or under, uh, the, the amount of water and, you know, the balance of that water, uh, pH-wise, and the amount of light. So those are all um, mitigating factors. And, like, chains in a, uh, a link, uh, if any one of them isn't taken care of, the, the chain falls apart. So, you, you know, you can't focus all your energy on making sure you have plenty of light and be underwatering or underfeeding your plants. And uh, if you don't have enough carbon dioxide to fuel this process, it stops. It slows and then it stops. Uh, if the temperature is too cold or too hot, I mean, I usually recommend about uh, 75 for daytime temperature, 65 for nighttime temperature. Uh, then all of these processes stop. And this is when growth stops. And that's when plants, I, you know, I'll get people that'll tell me, oh, uh, I've been growing this plant for three months, and it's you know six inches tall. Well, something's very very wrong with that situation because that plant should be thriving. It should be much bigger. So, one or more of those factors, whether it be temperature, CO2, uh, water, nutrients, or light, one or more of those is not is lacking, and the plant will show you that in the way that it grows. And this is important for vegetative growth and for flowering. I mean, this is throughout the plant's life. As soon as that uh, seedling pops open, as soon as those first leaves pop open, all of these factors have to be in place and in the, in the right way. Um, and that's how plants grow. That's how they, they build cells, and that's how they build um, the carbohydrates and the, the sugars that, they, that fuel growth. And it's really a fascinating process. It's amazing that plants are able to do this sort of thing. And even more so that the plants doing this is what's creating the majority of the oxygen that we breathe uh, in life. So, it, you know, photosynthesis is the basis of plant life, which is the basis of all life, you know, basically on Earth. It's like a symbiotic relationship. We need plants and plants need us, right? Yeah, yeah. And cannabis plants, this is why outdoor cannabis plants actually reduce your carbon footprint because you're, you're taking in that carbon and releasing oxygen for everyone else to breathe, which is a great process. But like I said, if any of these factors isn't at play, uh, you, it's always diminishing returns. So you, you want to always make sure that you have that. And this process takes place... Uh, you know, right at leaf level in within the leaf. So, if it, you may have CO two, uh, or you know, fresh air in the room, but it's not reaching that leaf level, and the st actual stomata on the leaves might be uh, closed off to even receiving CO two or water because a plant might be conserving itself uh, due to too much light and not enough water, or uh, any one of the factors being off. And uh, oh, one last thing to remember about this is that. The, that energy is stored in those leaves, and it's actually released at night when there's no light hitting the plant. And this is why I recommend, uh, you know, 18 or 20 hours on-off uh, cycle during the vegetating time because the plant does need that darkness time in order to actually grow. That's when it, that's when it actually does it. It's growing. That's why I'm against the 24-hour uh, vegetative cycle. 
because I do believe that uh, the plant needs that nighttime to sort of recover from all the light and to actually extend um, branches and leaves. It all sounds very complicated, but hopefully that helps. Um, What what do you say we move on? Regular listeners know this is my favorite part of the show. It's uh, the time when Dan answers questions that you, the listener, have sent us. And, of course, there are two ways to send us questions. Uh, Twitter, so you do hashtag freeweed, at Danny Danko, at Mike Hughes underscore, if you are desperate. And, of course, freeweed at hightimes.com, if you prefer email. Once again, this week, we will be neglecting our Twitter followers. I apologize. These are all freeweed at hightimes.com questions. Next week, I promise you, we will get some Twitter questions in there. All right, let's start it off. Chris writes, hey, Dan, I'm a huge fan of the show, looking for a little help. I grow in a mixture of cocoa and perlite, but I heard many different opinions about flushing every four weeks to remove salt buildups. Should I just wait for the big flush at the end? What is your opinion? All right. Um, My opinion is cocoa and perlite is a very light medium. And uh, if you're feeding pretty heavily, you may want to do that flushing every four weeks because salt buildup, uh, like those mitigating factors, if that's over fertilization, and the plants will basically start to burn at their tips and could get worse. So it's definitely to be avoided. And if I, I hear this a lot from people who use cocoa, um, is that it does, it does build up a little quicker. So uh, I, I would say go with the flushing every four weeks. Measure the, uh, the pH and the parts per million of nutrients in what you flush out until it's... Uh, until it's basically back to you know plain water, and then you can feed the plant again at that point. And then you still, of course, want to do the big flush at the end, uh, at least a week, if not uh, almost two weeks before you harvest just plain water uh, given to the plants at that time. All right. Uh, hopefully that helps, Chris. And uh, also, you know, Swerve had a lot of interesting uh, points on flushing, uh, both on his first appearance on our show and also last week uh, during our panel in Seattle. So you might want to give that a listen. Uh, he is a tremendous grower and knows what he's talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, anytime you're flushing, you're getting rid of uh, a lot of that buildup that really causes the buds to burn improperly. So definitely always remember to flush organics, too. All right. So thank you, Chris. This is John from New Jersey. Hey, I love the show. I'm very thankful. Um, I'm a longtime lover of weed. It sounds odd, but I'm a longtime <laughs> lover of weed. But I've only been learning to grow for the last year or so. I have tons of questions, but I'll keep it short. Is it possible to clone an auto-flowering strain? Would the clone's clock reset, so to speak, or would it remain on the mother's time? What do you think, Dan? Uh, well, the question supposes that you have a autoflowering mother plant, which, uh, you know, technically you can't really have. I mean, they at, at a certain height, they be automatically flower. And so uh, any clone that you took, even during that very short uh, vegetative time that autoflowering plants have, is going to flower at the same rate at the same time as the original, uh, you know, mother plant, so to speak. Even though you know most people think of a mother plant as a big plant with lots of branches on it that you take clones off of, uh, you can't achieve that with an autoflowering strain because it automatically flowers. Therefore, I would say, um, you know, the answer is the clone's clock does not reset. It will flower uh, at the same rate as the original autoflowering plant that you took the clone from. And I don't recommend cl- taking clones from autoflowering plants. I recommend if if you're going the autoflowering route. Um, just stick to autoflowering seeds. You know they they work. That, that confused me a bit. So, are, are you saying that you cannot take a clone from an autoflowering plant, or uh, physically you can take a cutting from a, an autoflowering plant and root it, and it will flower, but it will end up being like a little like, like a little popsicle stick. Uh, you know, oh, I, I see because it'll be on much. the same time schedule as the mother, which had already started to grow. Yeah, they. I mean, they start flowering usually after, depending on the strain, but usually after you know the third or fourth uh, leaf node. Once they start, uh, you know, branching out a little bit, they start flowering for the most part. I mean, there's autoflowering hazes that have a, a slightly longer uh, vegging time, but no, I don't recommend taking clones from autoflowering plants for any reason. All right, John from New Jersey. If you want an odd little popsicle plant, then go <laughs> ahead. But Dan says no. So moving on. 
Um, oh, I like this question. Um, great show. Please go back to the once a week format. Uh, <laughs> no, tough. no problem. Please send your donations to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. care of Mike Hughes and Denny Denko. This was our full time job. Oh, we it do it every be, day. We love yeah, I yakking in the microphone. I do it every week for sure. You yeah. know, and the, the bigger our audience gets, um, you know, the, the more uh, energy that uh, we can put into the show as well because our sponsors are happy and our, our employers are happy. And um, most of all, our listeners are happy. Many of them. Anyway, that wasn't the question, but just thought <laughs> I'd put that out there. Um, DJ Short has appeared on your show twice now. And both times, he has advocated an 11-on, 13-off light schedule. He did do that last week uh, on mm -hmm. the panel discussion. Yeah. Uh, the message board rabble seems to universally pan this technique. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I just flipped some grape crush onto an 11-13. That's Adam P. Uh, well, my thoughts on it are uh, that I'm sure that it w it works. I'm sure that the plants continue to flower, um, but I don't personally recommend it. I you know I'd go with a 12-12 flowering cycle. Uh, it just seems uh, like you know that's the way to go. You know the plant flowers. Um, the 11-13 thing is just uh, I don't know. I just. I don't trust a lot of those uh, kind of gimmicky things. I mean, obviously, DJ Short is yeah, we, we not... Should, uh, we should <laughs> I mean, say he's a legend, and DJ he knows, what he's, knows doing, what he's doing, and he's actually done it. I mean, I've, I've never actually done it either. So you know what? I'd love to see a side-by-side -side comparison or something like that, and I think that'd be something that's a great idea for an article for High Times. Yeah, and that would make a good article. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we have an article coming up about um, regular versus feminized seeds, growing those side by side. So um, it's a great project. And I, I think, you know, the, it's important for us to figure out, like, are these myths or are these actually, um, you know, efficient and better ways to grow? And there is uh, a lot of techniques out there that work. So yeah, there's not just one right way to do it. And DJ Short found a way that he really likes. But thank you, uh, Adam, for bringing that one to our attention. It's definitely an interesting question. Um, let's, uh, I'm going to do some more research on that too, because I don't know enough about, uh, you know, that type of cycle. I've heard of some other ones where it's like one hour on and 12 hours off and all that. And I just think, uh, you know, why complicate the issue? Just put it on 1212 and then, you know, every day when you go in and when you can, you know, when the, f everything goes down. What was a uh, Kramer's sleep cycle on that episode of Seinfeld? <laughs> he was doing like the one hour on and one hour off. Something yeah. Like I don't yeah. know. Anyway. I, uh, we got time for one more? Sure. Great. All right. Green Eggs with a Z. So Green Eggs uh, writes, Danny Danko and Kyle Cushman, are those your real last names or did you change them for your career fields? Uh, no, those are not uh, our real last names. These are pen names or... Uh, as Rick Cusick likes to say, uh, nom, nom de, de guerre, guerre, you know, which is like your war name. Um, but no, it's not, uh, you know, these are pen names that we use. I mean, obviously, Danko, Cushman. Uh, Oddly enough, uh, one of our former editors was actually born Steve Bloom. So yeah, that's cool. occasionally you get lucky and you get a pot-related name uh, <laughs> automatically. But we, you know, we took these names uh you know, in order to... Uh, they're both great names, though. You guys really... Cushman especially knocked it out of the park because as you were telling me just the other day, Cush was not a huge thing when he chose that, that moniker. No, no. In fact, it was mostly just that that purple Cush. You know, that was the one sort of Cush strain, and he was kind of known for that one. And, you and know, of course there now. <laughs> there wasn't such a big OG craze and, and all of that. And now Cush has become, you know, synonymous with, you know, California's finest and most potent pot so yeah he did good with that and, and Danny I, I Danko, like Danko too yeah. Danko's catchy it, it suits you well <laughs> and you, you do you want to talk about how you arrived at that name or you want to just let this go I'll just let it go we're gonna let it go <laughs> yeah all right well thanks green eggs we, we could talk uh, about that on a future episode oh yeah stay tuned for that and the uh, behind the scenes the unauthorized biography of Danny Danko <laughs> thank you green eggs thank you all of our uh all the questions, all the writers who sent them in. And if you would like to have Dan answer your question on this very show, please contact us. Twitter, at Danny Danko, at Mike Hughes underscore hashtag free weed, or by email, freeweed at hightimes.com. Yeah, and get out there and like our Facebook page, too. We need more likes. We've got Our Facebook like page is suffering. We need, well, we need more stuff on it, but yeah. we, we need more likes, too, so go like that. 
yeah, if you guys go like the Facebook page, we'll start putting a bunch of more stuff on there too. Oh, it's like a challenge because usually yeah. it works the other way. The the person who has the Facebook page, it's sort of incumbent on them to produce content for people to like. But what you're saying is, like if it. they like us first, then yeah. we'll actually do something with the page. Yeah, we'll That's do some contests, some Facebook only contests and stuff. So yeah. we got tons of stuff to give away. People might call that bass backwards, but I like it. <laughs> I like your, your forward thinking. All right, what do you say we take a little break and come back and wrap it up? Sounds good. We're going to get right back to the show, but I just wanted to mention uh, another sponsor, Stealth Grow, which uh, recently came aboard, have a great product. It's a green nightlight. It's a uh, 5-watt LED light with, that's all green lights. You can work in your grow room at night and actually see and they have a special deal as well uh you enter the promo code danko d-a-n-k-o and they'll give you 15 percent off on these lights um which normally retail i think for 34.99 so you're getting them for uh a, li- a little more than five bucks off uh around 29 bucks plus shipping so a uh, very essential product for the grow room if you want to get in there and simulate uh, nighttime rains with a foliar feed or any kind of uh, checking for bugs or just want to know what the temperature is at night in your room, uh, get that Stealth Grow Green Night Light LED, uh, screws into a regular incandescent, and you get 15% off if you enter Danko as the code. All right, episode 30, and we are back to wrap it up with Raw Papers, right? Yes, we wrap it up here with Raw, and speaking of that, please do uh, check out that photo caption contest that we're having on Instagram. Just go check out uh, Mike Hughes underscore HT. There's going to be a photo there, and whoever writes the best caption, or the caption that Danko and I like the best, will receive a gift package from Raw, which includes what? Uh, Rolling papers, filters, uh Whatever else we can cram a into tray, the I think a rolling a tray. tray. Uh, yeah, the, the connoisseur packs. Mm. I think. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's great stuff. We love raw. You'll love it too. So so definitely do that. Yes, absolutely. Definitely want to thank our sponsors, BC Northern Lights and Stealth Grow, uh, for sticking with us and and helping us uh, reach all our listeners. Uh, really, absolutely, truly want to thank Stephen Hager for coming on and talking about the Cannabis Cup and. Uh, and all of the origins of all of that, and, and as the founder of that in the 25th year. Um, yeah, we, we're looking forward to, to seeing him inducted into the Counterculture Hall of Fame. Dan and I both leave in about a month, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the cup. Yeah, yeah, the 25th Cannabis Cup is, is, is amazing. It could be the last one, so if you'd like to attend, go to CannabisCup.com, and, you know, there's a bunch of details there. We got some great music acts. There's going to be some great, you know, pots, so... Check that out. See Amsterdam just in case this ban actually goes through. This could be the last chance. So, yeah. Yeah, and we're honoring uh, Stephen Hager over there for founding this thing and allowing us all to be a part of it. So, uh, and and there's also some Dutch uh, founders as well, people who founded the seed seed scene and the coffee shop scene over there that allows us to even have an event of that magnitude. Um, so thanks to Stephen Hager and all those people. Absolutely. And, and hey, uh, the December issue of High Times is now on newsstands, and that has a, one of your big-time articles, right? Yeah, it's the cover story. It's the top 10 strains of 2012 um, featuring uh, the Sage and Sour on the cover from uh, one of our uh, you know, uh, people who's been on the show, Adam Dunn from uh, TH Seeds. That's right. Yeah, and you do this article every year. It's a roundup of the top 10 strains of that year. Great pictures, interesting information. How do you uh, decide on those strains? You know, I just uh, I, I put my nose to the grindstone, <laughs> <laughs> and I spend all year basically like listening for things like this year. You know, everyone was talking about the Girl Scout cookies, the Girl Scout cookies. So you know, I tried them. It was a great strain, and so that that's how that one got in there. You know, we just um, you know spend all year trying to figure out what people are smoking on, what people are growing. Uh, and what's new out there, what new flavor or what old blast from the past is uh, is just still killing it, like um, that Sage and Tower. You know, that's from years back, but people are growing it out now and, and really enjoying it. And so it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. So, yeah, go, go pick up <laughs> yeah, that I've issue. Been, I've it's... been doing that since uh, 2005. Uh, wow. So that's a, a lot of strains that have been in there. And, and so very, very proud of uh, 
very proud to be able to do that and, and put those beautiful photos out there for people to see in the descriptions of the strains. It's, it's, it's truly one of the highlights of the year for me doing that article. So, and, and people seem to respond well to it as well. well. There you have it. Yeah. Get the December issue. Definitely. Um, 30 episodes, Dan, my goodness. Yeah. I'm amazed, man. I love the fact that, you know, we, we kept it going and, uh, we're going to keep it going for you guys as well. You know, we're, we're excited to do another 30. <laughs> yeah. By 2015, we'll have another 30. I promise you. <laughs> right on well thank you so much for sticking with us on episode 30 thank you Hager thank you VC Northern Lights thank you Stealth Grow and thank most of all our listeners and all the people who like our Facebook page and who share the show with friends and all the growers out there grow trimming weed, yeah. yeah Jesse James what's up thanks guys oh shout out to Ganja John too he won a cannabis cup love you buddy <laughs>